talking to Neo Con Remover. I texted him and I was like, sorry to just completely take over here, but this is, <laughs> I've been waiting to unload on this. Uh, I was talking to him about this, laryng- this laryngitis that I have. And it's very frustrating to me because I feel like this, I have no white privilege right now. I have none. <laughs> Why? Because my voice doesn't sound good like this. I sound like a baby. You know what I mean? I sound like I'm going through puberty and it sucks. And I'm and and then I'm going, wait a minute. If I was a black man and I sounded like this, people would probably say, man, you got a good singing voice. And so I've been just doing that and realizing it's it's unfair the, my situation right now. So well, hi everybody. Hello. Hello. How are you? We're good. You know what your voice reminds me of right now? I mean, obviously yourself. You remind me of when the Jerky Boys did Saul Rosenberg uh, when they were talking <laughs> on the phone. You would like you have a tennis ball machine that fires balls. Do I sound I, very Jewish? <laughs> yeah, it works, Whoa. dude. It works. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, well, I've got. Oh. I got. I have other options. I was thinking about maybe I could pitch my voice like this for the rest of the show. Um, I got to switch some stuff over here. Where are you? All right. There we go. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Sound good? It sounds great. That's great. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be back on the show after six weeks of me trying to be on here and me just completely flubbing the the football. That's okay. (laughs) I'm going to try to keep a straight face right now. I'm glad you could squeeze. (laughs) I'm glad you could squeeze us in around your bar mitzvah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to be an adult. It's good to be an adult. Bro, so for for reference for everybody, just so they know, Bird is doing us a favor by talking to us while he's in the middle of a hurricane. Like, that was was scary shit. Oh, really? I'm not going to take any credit now. Cleared up. Yeah. I'm in the, I mean, it's super clear outside right now. Uh, It's, it's, uh, it was just earlier. It was raining. It's been raining for 10 hours straight. And I didn't know that that could happen in Florida. And not only, not only does it happen in Florida, I thought in Florida it rains for five minutes and then it goes away <laughs> and then it comes back for five minutes and then it goes away. This was a consistent 10 hour rain. Jeez. And um, I, I for sure fucked my car up last night. Oh, no. Um, yeah, for sure. I had I was hungry. It was two in the morning. I was and I was hungry because I was awake and there was no food in the house which is, by the way, a great thing to be entering hurricane season with no food in my house. But so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I go to a Wawa, New Jersey's finest, and I grab a sandwich. And on the way back, it's torrential. I definitely went through water that was too high. Um, <laughs> to find out like in a week if my car survived. Um, so, yeah, I, I was talking to Paz. I was telling him about how it goes between 106 degrees and then 12 inches of rain on the ground. And he was like, is it just cope to live in Florida? And I said, yes, seems like it is. (laughs) I was going to ask you the transition period that you have between coming from New York and now that you live in Florida, like, you know, what are the things apart from the oppressive heat and humidity and the um, consistent rainfall that you're experiencing or had experienced. Like, what do you think so far, man? Like our friend Sal's obviously down 
uh, in Florida. Now he left. Uh, he, he was out in New Jersey and he moved down to Florida, which. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where is Sal? Sal's in Tampa. St. Pierre. Yeah, that area. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sal, Sal moved away. He did the thing. He moved away from where all the people who ruined New Jersey, New York were. And then he moved to St. Pete next to all the people who moved around him who ruined New York. <laughs> that's what St. That's Pete is like. Um, they, have, they have a pipeline set up, like a whole program. They No, they do. They do. I was over there and um, oh, my voice still sounds like a chipmunk, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I was over there and um, I was just kind of walking around the street at like 1130 at night. And I was I was like, this place is just Brooklyn. This is just Brooklyn. It's like got this weird industrial vibe, but not like the cool kind of industrial where you feel like you'll you know, get roughed up or, or or raped in an alleyway, like boring <laughs> industrial. Oh, it's not like, edgy at all? No, it's this boring industrial where they make like stained glass uh, curtains and not, I don't know, bullshit. They make bullshit. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of industrial that's in St. Pete. Oh, it's bullshit. It's not real. Right. <laughs> it's not a real thing. What about the Cuban sandwich where you live? How's the Cuban sandwich? Uh, it's great. Oh, I just heard myself. I got to turn this off for a second. <laughs> uh, it's great. I love the, the I love um what I found out is that uh, Cubans are just eating all the time, 100% of the day. Yeah. Um, there's, always, there's always, everywhere I go, there's Cuban food to be eaten, and there's somebody already eating it all, at all times of the day. It's great. Um, I, too, am an eater. I like to eat. And so I, I'm enjoying that. The food part is fantastic. <laughs> I saw a fella... Uh, not long. I was, I don't do this. I try not to do this much, but I was in the city of Miami. I was kicking around, just looking around. I saw a guy who was wearing only a, a yellow banana hammock. Do you fellas know what a banana hammock is? Oh boy, oh, do we ever. Yes. Yeah. I saw just a yellow banana hammock. He was a white guy, a very tan, white, like, uh, like silvery white hair, had to be 65. And he was just like mango in a bag. <laughs> down the walking down the street and oh God. it is the start of summer mm -hmm. down here and so that's how you know like you got to see one of those and it's mango in a summer. bag yeah yep <laughs> oh yeah it's ridiculous there's a lot of dicks that this is something i realized moving closer to the to the equator there's a lot of penises everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, well, maybe there's just more uh, visible there. Because um, as a lady, I notice there's a lot of dick everywhere, no matter where I go. So there's always a penis. Where I the hell know. are you going? Just there's guys. There's there's guys, and there's always you know shit going are on. Talking, there's a, less on. ladies, more men. Are, I notice men more. Hold on. Are we a talking? Yeah, a lot more men go around with their dicks okay. out. Yeah. Hey, that's what he's talking about. Oh God! Exposed penis. Exposed okay. penis, not just people who carry the weapon, but ah, the weapon exposed. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what are we talking? Nude beaches down there? Like, what's going on? I would. I've. You know, I wanted to go to a nude beach just to kind of take a look. I got no nerve to do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and now, and the thing is, because you know, I'm going to be honest here. I. It's not a question of well, what you know. Am I going to get caught peeping? 
it's a question of what are, what are you even going to go see? Because you know you're it's going to be handbags out and 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 old saggy butts. It's seventy five year old to ninety five year old at these establishments. I'm sure they're having a great time. They are, but I don't want to look at their breastuses or their asses. <laughs> or whatever. I don't understand. That's the other thing is I don't know what the etiquette of a nude. Are you supposed to go so you can look at nude people? Because that's what my that's what my impression of a nude beach is. Do you just go to be naked? Do these people just go to be naked and not look at other naked people? Um, uh, I'm not really sure, but I can just tell you that being nude anywhere where there is sand is probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, what do they do that? Why is it? Why do they do that? I don't know. Maybe not to have tan lines. I don't know. Like that's well, that's a tr that's a positive. That's true. Do you think that's a thing? It's like, oh, they do it in Europe, so we'll try it here. But like the cultures are so different that it we, doesn't really. I, I hate that. I just hate that. That whole we they do it in Europe. Well, fucking go over there. <laughs> <laughs> go away. I guess that's one of the benefits of having some of the puritanical modesty that's that uh, a lot of the culture inherits in this country is like, hey, whoa cover the dick up as opposed to like you know some of the freewheeling mediterranean folk who are like yeah no whatever like tits out cocks out let's go the sun's out it's a beautiful day at the beach um we're gonna get sand in our vagina as angels it's just it's never good cocks it's ugly cocks and bad tits <laughs> it's ugly dicks and ugly pussies and they're ugly people who do this they're not handsome folks <laughs> do you ever think the internet may have just ruined your view of what a person should look like because all of it's so edited and airbrushed and everything yeah, it's a thousand like, percent <laughs> i think about that a lot i go around like especially when i go to walmart and stuff and i'm like these are this is what people look like you know well, like yeah. i don't see a single person that there looks like anyone i've seen compromise between walmart and porn star <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that is a fair statement. Yeah. Definitely some middle ground there. I don't know. I enjoy going to Walmart at like one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning or what have you. Can you do that? That sounds like you'd be shot and killed. No, well, like I mean, it's not Steelyard Walmart. Like, let's be on, let's not get too wild. Were you talking about the one in Cleveland? Oh, yeah. The one, yeah. I mean, they had to build Metro like, Hospital right next Cleveland to that parking Walmart lot. Walmart at two in the morning, you're talking about? <laughs> Bad news. Bad news. In fact, you know what? There was just a, there was a kid. So LeBron James, who I'm sure you've heard of, regardless of your uh, fan status, whether you like basketball or not, you're aware of this individual who exists and he just became a billionaire. Well, okay. So he has this school in Akron. He's a billionaire? Yeah, he's a billionaire. He just, he just crossed the threshold. Oh, really? Uh, but um, he uh, has this school that he started, but the taxpayers of the city are still on the hook for it. Like he funds some nice. of it. But most of it is funded by the, the taxpayer. Well, they have in Akron, there's been a serious problem for years with basketball court violence. Like, I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Like, out where my brother-in-law used to live, uh, right down the street from where he used to live, they literally had to take the, like, um, the actual hoops off so that there was no basketball because they started shooting at each other. Well, oh they, dude, they stomped to well, death. That's not very cool. No, it's not. They, they stomped to death this 17-year-old kid at LeBron School's basketball court outside. Holy uh -huh. shit. He's dead. He's 17-year-old kid, gone. Like, that's got to be hard to do, too, just stomping somebody. Like they, they beat him to death. 
they Holy beat him fuck. to death. Yeah, this no. Is why I don't go to Walmart at two in the morning. No, 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 no. Not in certain areas, like 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 Brian's saying, like yeah, there's there's certain WalMarts that you would really really do well to avoid at certain times, but like where we live, it's a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, it's not as dangerous. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's further out. You know what I mean? But it's still interesting. It's not dangerous, but it's still an oh, opportunity yeah. for you to observe and enjoy the you know the sights and the uh, the characters that oh yeah uh, yeah what's the most interesting character you've seen in a walmart um there was okay so i have nothing against um you know trans people whatever wow <laughs> it's, it's gonna sound bad just because like I, we live in ohio so there isn't a lot of um you know people that just are out there like that you know what i mean like you see him from time to time but this um i guess he was a male transitioning to female and he was a uh cashier and you couldn't tell from behind because he had really really long well she had really really long hair um but when he turned around there, there was the beard and that kind of like i was confused because like he's wearing a dress and then from behind, you you know, you can't really tell. And you turn around, you see the face and there's a beard. And I was like, I don't know what what to do. So that was his hun yeah. hundreds of these at Walmart, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I only just ever saw the one. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. a good one. Brian, do you have a good example? Oh, man. I mean, around here, it's like there's a lot of Amish people at Walmart. Like oh, that's, that's a it, spectacle. Yeah. But it's like to the point where I remember when I was a kid and it's still there now, like they had to make like special parking spots for like Amish buggies where you could like rein a horse in. Like Do they speak English. What yeah. They but they also speak Pennsylvania Dutch. And it's oh, like, boy. I don't know a single word of it. And it's also known as old German. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, but no, like. Ah, shit. Now all I can think about is, about Walmart is like, I remember right. as a kid, they had like the lobster tanks and like the fish tanks and shit. And I'd always just go hang out there. There wasn't very many interesting things to do in my town when I was like growing up and as like a teenager. So we'd literally just walk around Walmart until we were old enough to drink basically. But <laughs> and drink in the Walmart. I like to get <laughs> really high and just go to the walmart <laughs> yeah that was like, like it was that or like go to the bowling alley or something like those are the two things yeah you feel so invigorated when you leave a walmart after you buy anything like a fucking <laughs> chef with a chalkboard and, and you can buy dinner, or a, a i don't know a fucking globe that holds a bottle of whiskey <laughs> and you feel like so much uh joy when you get out of there and you go, I'm going to put this piece of crap somewhere in my house. And then you put it there and then you fucking forget about it immediately. It's crazy. I always like to think about stuff like that in the sense that it's like somebody had to mass produce this. Like <laughs> there's a fuck ton of these somewhere. And somehow this is the thing that got the green light. And it's like, yeah, there's I, so many things like that where I'm like, how the fuck? Like, I constantly I just, am going to Walmart buying this useless shit that you're like you're talking about constantly. <laughs> the shit that they they pass through and and it's like fast food furniture. Yeah, it just oh, goes yeah. right through you. So that's like I was reading something. People, everybody, it seems like on the internet is trying to find like 
the source of the decline in pretty much everything that people have been noticing lately. And everybody keeps talking about moving away from the gold standard and like fiat currency. And then it's like, everyone just started cutting corners as much as they could. <laughs> your food quality has gone down. Your water quality has gone down. Like the, exactly. Like everything's like Ikea furniture. It's like pressed wood. There's no, like, it's all just Wasn't meant to be Ikea replaced. Stuff was made by a Nazi, right? I'm sure. <laughs> I am a hundred, almost a hundred percent. I thought sure I thought they claimed to be neutral, but they were laundering all of the Nazi money. No, I money. think the guy who invented the particle board stuff that they that they use in IKEA furniture was a Nazi. Holy shit! No way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> what about the meatballs? Are those still good? Those things are great, aren't they? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even get to try them yet. Like, I really like this is a real thing. They have a cafeteria. They're great. Yeah, they, yeah, it's weird. They have like a food court. It's like at a mall, but there's only one store, and it's IKEA. If you get a good one, they do the fucking Swedish food. If you get a bad one, they just do hot dogs. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they all have those fucking crazy name. I hate the name thing with IKEA, the, where everything is named like butt and titty. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> ridiculous. These fucking ridiculous snow frogs and their stupid <laughs> language. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and they dying. push it on us like you go oh, i hate that they push it on us where you walk where you go up to the door and it says hedge it says hedge on it <laughs> like you're gonna go and you're gonna go and ev- meanwhile everybody working in there is pakistani nobody ha- <laughs> nobody has any connection at all <laughs> sweden or switzerland or wherever the fuck this stupid company is <laughs> Oh and they God. and they make garbage and they make a lot of garbage other than their their mattresses which are pretty fucking good because oh, I think they invented the mattress in uh, in Sweden so it, it's another one of their words oh what well, um, that's impressive yeah so they the mattresses at IKEA are good but I like bought a desk from IKEA and I I, I put my elbows on it and the fucking thing collapsed <laughs> <laughs> I bought plates from IKEA. And I, one day I was just looking at them and I fucking threw them in the garbage. <laughs> They're ugly. <laughs> They're ugly, ugly, uninspiring plates. Is it because it got all scratched up and started scraping? Like No, they're just again? ugly. They're ugly colors, <laughs> uninspired, ugly colors. Why'd you buy I, them? I was in under a delusion when I was in the store and I needed uh, uh, plates. So I was like, okay, these are good. And that mean, and when you get out of it, it's the same thing with fucking fast food, man. It's not good. No, you, know, you, you get some shit and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. And then afterwards, you're like, why the fuck do I eat this stuff? This well, sucks. It's like you go through the whole store and they, the entire store is set up to look like the interior of a house you will never live in. But it's like it all looks good and, and within so the context. Like fucking bomb shelters. It looks like a bomb shelter. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't like walking through Ikea. The whole place just feels like a weird, like acid flashback kind of thing where <laughs> yeah. it's like, and you have to go through the whole maze. It's like, it's literally once you start, it's like, you got to push all the way through. You can't just like get out in the middle. I don't know. And it's no, it like, looks like a movie. It's like a movie. Yeah, it's like walking through different scenes in like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, every, and, yeah. And, and a woman is being killed in almost every scene. 
that's how it makes me feel when I go into IKEA that people are being killed in these. In these. They're covering up something sinister. Yeah, and it's something just beneath really the surface, but it's Swedishly sinister. <laughs> these people, these people used to be colonizers and Vikings, and now they sell um, Nazi-made particle board furniture. And I'm supposed to believe that. You're, they you're not fooling me. They're little gay meatballs. Those things are really delicious but they're so silly when you get a plate of these gravy soaked meatballs that are the size of your thumb oh they're hilarious i love ikea but i hate it you know I hate it. <laughs> same the way i feel actually same way i feel about mcdonald's i really love it and i also really fucking hate the power that it has over me and I, it's like an abusive guy like i i know oh, yeah. all of his flaws and i, I know deep down he's really trying but on the surface, he's a belligerent drunk. <laughs> Dude, didn't you guys do a couple of years ago? You guys did like a chart, didn't you? For like, you know, how you rated the McDonald's food. Didn't did. you? Yeah, I really want to do another one of these. Oh, my God. I remember so much that. Startup effort to get the menu organized. And, but yeah, I got to I got to get one of these done again because I, that's a good format. No, that was fantastic. That was you can apply that format to and like we could take it to Taco Bell. That would probably be my my. That's place. another another establishment I have a fucking problem with is Taco Bell. <laughs> it's believe. crazy how no matter how much you can order from that shithole, you go home. You know, because and that's the other thing is these restaurants are designed where you eat this crap in the fucking car before you get home. <laughs> and then you, and then you get home. I live seven minutes from a taco bone and it never makes it. It never, <laughs> it never makes it. So I eat the shit, this crap. And then I go, and then by the time I get upstairs, I'm going, I'm fucking hungry again. <laughs> and you get a, and you get a Suprito, uh, Chazim and, uh, a nacho uh, frito and all this fucking another made up European language, by the way. Um, and it's all just different configurations of the same, same shit. Yeah, same a- asshole uh, materials. Yeah. <laughs> what, hey, they, they, they call it, have the nerve to call that stuff ground beef. They brought, they brought back the Mexican pizza. but now, uh, Yeah, and you know what I did yesterday? I got it, that? and it was a fucking disappointment. It was you can't terrible. even get it here. They, the supply is oh, so wow. low. They're you're like, oh, we're bringing it back in the fall now because yeah, everybody fucking missing. wanted it. It stinks. It's disgusting. <laughs> It's it it's disgusting. It's a disgusting concoction. It's like the it's I'm trying to describe what a Mexican pizza is. It's a a flat tortilla mm-hmm. that is, that is gilded in cheese, mm-hmm. right? And then they plop that shit on the middle of it, and then onions and whatever, and then they put another gilded tortilla on top. Yep. And the only reason the tortilla thing stays together is because the gilded cheese protects the tortilla from falling apart because of the shit slop in the middle of it. And then they fucking have the nerve to cut it like a pizza and they expect you to pick it up like a pizza. And and I've, and just <laughs> pay it, pay, on my seven minute drive home. <laughs> so I got to fucking, cause I'm an addict. You got to shove this <laughs> down your throat between two stops. And this pizza, this fucking Mexican pizza is flopping around and the inside of it has so much cornstarch in it that that slop doesn't even move. It doesn't even move inside after they cut it. It's like a pie. It's <laughs> yeah. a, and it's a, tr- and, and guess what it tastes like? 
everything else. <laughs> like get a, get else. a crunch wrap supreme. Just do that. And, and, the, like. and the thing that infuriates me the most is Taco Bell has four different hot sauce types. And you'd fucking imagine they had zero hot sauce types with the amount of times I tell them to put hot sauce in the bag and they don't. <laughs> yes, true. Agree. it's true. Oh my I go, God. I go to the fucking window, uh, the, the intercom. I don't know why we need these intercoms, by the way. But I go up to the intercom because they, they rush you anyway. So you might as well be at a window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You go up to the intercom and you go, let me get a Chapita Supreme. And, <laughs> and they have the fucking, fucking nerve to go, and what kind of sauce would you like? And I go, all of them. And then I drive on because they don't ask me what fucking drink I want. <laughs> So they asked me about, and guess what I get? A Coke, which I don't fucking want. I didn't ask for. I want a Baja Blast. Because that's the only reason, that's the only drink you should get at Taco Bell is a Baja Blast. It's <laughs> the only reason why Taco Bell still exists is because of the Baja Blast. And, yeah. and you go up there like a fucking Momo and they give you the bag. And you, I, like me, I'm an idiot. I smile and I go, thanks. And I don't check the bag because I'm not a cunt. I'm not a cunt. Well, they started sealing I, them shut anyway. There, yeah, those bastards. Yes, they fucking do. Yes, they fucking do. They seal the bags. So you got to open it again. And you feel like an asshole when you're not. And every single fucking time I open this bag, there's no sauces. None. So they give you the drink without asking. They just assume you want a Coke. And maybe most Americans just want a Coke. I don't. I want a Baja Blast. It's the only place you can get it, which is a fucking travesty in its own right. Once they, I'm telling you, once they lose the Baja, it's over. I agree. Over. I agree. They already got rid of so much. Like, well, I, I don't know. They had, what did they have that they got rid of that I liked? Um, the double decker taco. I liked that. It was okay. Um, they got rid of that. They got rid of the um, chalupa, nacho, cheese chalupa, whatever it was called. They don't you, have- and you hear yourself? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> these, these words. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so they got rid of them, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't like anything else there. There's nothing Wait, there I like. Do you remember the one? My favorite thing. I don't have a clever word for it. I don't even remember what it's called. But it looked. It had. It was like the wingspan of a B two bomber, and they just shoved the entire like Nacho Bell Grande inside a tortilla. And like sealed it so you could like walk around. It was like a walking taco or like, you know, what is it? Walking nacho. That's what it was. And it had like Fritos and shit in there. Oh my God. They're just offloading all of their excess yeah. shit before They're it like, goes bad. It's just <laughs> disgusting. It's just <laughs> terrible. It's terrible stuff. It is. I'm trying to think about anything that I've had. A, you know what's crazy? The taco is good. Like, you know, you know, they give you the side taco. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. Just the crunchy taco. By it's itself. good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. No, they're not. actually pretty good for like Tex-Mex tacos. They're good. And then everything else on the menu it sucks. Asshole. I'm going to go to the menu right now. I've had and I haven't had I hadn't had Taco Bell at any point in my entire life before, maybe a year ago. And since then, I've just, you know, I've oh, sampled the menu. I've tried to go around and fucking sample the menu and see what's on there. And there's just no redeeming anything about this menu. It sucks. I would, I've never had a burrito. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare have a burrito. I hate their soft shell taco. It feels like a, a, a foreskin. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, um, peel it back and the cheese inside. Oh, 
<laughs> Everybody. It's the smeg. The smeg. Yeah. <laughs> the smeg lupa supreme. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. You just you just reminded me the crunch wrap supreme. Everybody cracks up about this fucking crunch wrap supreme like it's the best thing. It's a okay. load of yeah. dog shit. It's, it's not that great. It's a it's a, it's a chode. Burrito. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the the lettuce always tastes like it hasn't been fucking washed. Like that's the other thing. Because it hasn't. Think. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, and it's frozen. It's forty five degrees colder than anything else. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. All right. Look at this. This is the new one. So these are the new items that they have. This is the toaster toasted cheddar chalupa. All right. Then the black bean toasted cheddar chalupa. That's just no meat. That's just, yeah, that has just. They're all no meat. It's just. <laughs> yeah. The, the quesarito, the black bean quesarito. All right. So then look at, let's look at, and then some of these, the toasted cheddar chalupa deluxe box. So you get a burrito, a regular taco, and then the toasted cheddar chalupa in a nachos and cheese. It literally comes with a sodium warning. It's like, hey, listen, <laughs> if you eat yeah. all of this, your potential for death has just escalated. Like you could die eating this. And Drink and you can't water. taste the salt is the craziest part. No, you I, can't. They, they say there's so much salt in this shit and there's, you can't even taste it because it still tastes boring. <laughs> yep. All right. I don't know what they do. Let's see what else we have here. There's your burritos. So the you nachos have... Belgrande is a fucking war crime. <laughs> that's, that's, dude. How do you mess up a nacho? That's my kid's favorite, too. He loves that one. It's cr a crazy design. It is, it's crazy. <laughs> like it just and then the best part is supposed to be where you put sour cream on there and they give you literally like a thimble full. Yeah, what is wrong with these people in there and their stinginess? It's not. Yeah, yeah that'll be eighteen dollars. We're going to give the you nachos. Belgrande is four thirty nine. Can I get uh, two scoops of of sour cream? Yeah, and and you and it's much. crazy. You ask them for jalapenos, and they go, "That'll be extra." Fuck you, fuck! What the fuck? <laughs> Why is a jalapeno extra? This is a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the jalapeno should be standard. Standard, and exactly. then you have to go. I don't want jalapeno. That's what you should have to say. Yeah. What about this one? The Chipotle Ranch Grilled Chicken Burrito. Um, that looks, it's got like freezer. That sounds like I would fucking vomit. It sounds like I would vomit <laughs> the next morning. It probably the cheesy I, rice. I throat. vomited up and it probably didn't help my throat. I vomited up a fucking uh, a Taco Bell meal. And it just, <laughs> it, was, it was blood red. Like I thought oh. I was dying. Oh. I thought I was dying. I'm looking in the in the toilet and I'm like, it's just streaks of red Ugh. blood in my stomach coming up because of whatever the nacho. What is a Belgrande is the name of some sort of Hebrew demon, right? <laughs> <laughs> what else be. could it be? It might be. <laughs> That's uh, insane. Fuck. You shouldn't be digging into any of that stuff living in Florida now, man. I mean, you should be on uh, the, the Cubano train all the way. I'm in an old neighborhood where they go to bed at 7.30, so I can't get food when I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> the early and I try special. to make my own food, but I have a limited, I have li I smoke a lot of weed. I have a limited amount of energy. Yeah, fair enough. Gotta switch out for sativa. 
I it's a dude all the time. It's only sativa. I drink sativa and or I smoke sativa and drink orange juice every day, and I'm tired. tired. (laughs) What about the Chinese food? How's the Chinese food down there? It sucks. It sucks down there. Yeah, it's. I mean, when Panda Express is the number one go to Chinese food place, that's that's a shame. Yeah, I you know it is what it is. There's not a lot of Chinese folks here in Miami. Um, the barbecue is good. This I'm kind of good... surprised by that. I would think that they would not, you know, Chinese folks. Well, yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, just like the rest of us. So I'm just kind I, of surprised. They're not around here. They're not around <laughs> here. I haven't found a good Chinese food place. Although I do, I do like that down here. The few Chinese food places that I have seen, they got Spanish names, and I just know it's like King Wok and like Golden Dragon, but in Spanish. It's just the, the same recycled formula. Yeah, it probably works. <laughs> I've never it probably thought about works. that. I, it probably works, but I, I, yeah, I haven't dared to go in yet. Um, what else is down here? The pizza's good. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, what kind of style pie are we talking about, though? Well, I actually found a fried uh, pie. Um, it was pretty good. It was like really bubbly and crispy. Oh, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. It's not like deep fried. It's just fried. Okay. Um, it's good. And then I found a right, re- like a regular old, like what I would call Brooklyn style pizza. That was solid. These are regular pizza places. Um, and I've had my occasional run in with Domino's down here. <laughs> and uh, I don't even, I'm not even going to talk about Domino's. I'm just letting you know, I have encountered right. it because that place yeah. pisses me off as okay. well. All right. Fair enough. A lot of these places are not sending their best. No. Um, <laughs> What about Thai food? I, when I, my aunt lived, uh, she's she's no longer among the living, but uh, she lived in Miami. And every time we would go down to visit her, um, we went to this place called Golden Gate Thai food. And I had to specifically tell the waiter, I said, listen, please. When I say mild, I mean no spice because mild and Thai means I'm still going to burn your asshole for whatever reason. Like you have to tell them, do not put any yeah, hot you really stuff. Do. You know what I mean? But that yeah. was a pretty good. That was good food. Like, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm sick of uh, pretending I like Thai food to be cool. Um, I've always used to feel like, like for me, where I grew up, Thai food was cool. It was like a cool, you go to get Thai food because all the Thai places are like, they got, they're like half the people in there are like suffocating to death because they use so much dry ice and they have a lot of neon and all, oh, they got put alcohol in their noodles and like, it it was cool where I was from. And now I did, I did get Thai food once down here. And it's it's um, something about rice noodles is like I'm um, excuse me uh, ex- excuse my French uh, to the lady in the room. It's very cummy. <laughs> <laughs> Their noodles are a lot like they're like they have R- the same consistency as cum. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to have rice noodles ever again. <laughs> yeah, there's a cum. There's a ejaculate thing going on to a thai food and i don't want to yeah i don't want to ruin your thai experience but i noticed this one time on a date and i I took a girl to a thai place Mm -hmm. and i was like man i can't wait to get these drunk man's noodles and i had them and it was the opposite of a religious epiphany it was like a coming to earth sort of like no this stuff stinks this is bad it tastes bad it looks awful 
Um, yeah, so ever since then, I've just I thought the noodles were a little bit jizz, a jizzly. A Did you have jizzly. her try some to like maybe see how the rest of your night let, was gonna go? Here's or? the deal. <laughs> Jesus. Here's the deal. The ladies seem to enjoy Thai food, and I'm not gonna make any Freudian connections. <laughs> But I, but ladies seem to be way more enthused than I am about Thai food in general. Yeah, I think there there might be something there. I don't know, maybe something there. All right. Well, we covered the um, we covered the dietary uh, issues uh, of living <laughs> yeah. down in FLA. Uh huh. What else? Now, how are you dealing with the heat? Now you're a paisan, so I would. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, that's why I figured that's more your speed as opposed to. Yeah, for 26 trip. years, I froze my balls off, and now my balls can fly. <laughs> it's really good. I love that. I, I love that. I don't have to look at the temperature because I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's never going to be 52 degrees here, and that's great. I'm, I, I could never realized how awful the cold is for me until i moved down here and it's just 92 degrees every day this is it's way better for me i don't feel any more allergies i this laryngitis shit is because i was doing lots of drugs and and uh, rituals at childerberg like as far as (laughs) generally i feel no allergies anymore my bones are my bones are wet i feel like wet all the time um i feel good i feel like a a lizard or like an iguana, something wet. I feel very wet, and I like to feel wet. <laughs> All right, good, good. Yeah. This is this is an improvement. I love being wet. <laughs> I guess there's nothing wrong with that. No allergies though, huh? Not one sneeze. Wow. And I bet if I did sneeze, it would be wet. i'm sure sure that it would i'm dying right now with the the tree pollen speaking of cum and all of the trees just jizzing all over the place right now is literally it's killing me it's been so or that or that tree that pollinates that literally smells like cum whatever that tree is oh yeah that ugly that awful cum tree in new york yeah yeah it's it's disgusting i hate that where you step on the on the cum uh it's just yeah (laughs) Uh, that's it yeah, that's it. That's your goddamn. We we, yeah. we nailed it. So I what else? What else is going? How was Childerberg, by the way? It was great. Uh, it was our best Childerberg yet. Um, more people showed up on Friday, a day that isn't Childerberg, than last year's peak, uh, which is pretty wild. I would say all all told, we probably had about three hundred people at the site. Wow. Um, it, on the peak uh, peak day, is wild. It was like a real festival, um, and it's a real thing, man. So I think. Next year is going to, I mean, got to be bigger because we're moving the venue to the site. We used to go to a different place to do the venue, okay. but we're moving the venue to the actual, so I say we, like I've lifted a finger here. Jacob is <laughs> mo- and Cody are moving the venue to the site, meaning Robbie the Fire Burner seems to be doing comedy at the site, meaning people don't have to get in their cars and limit how drunk they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and drive over to a place and then it's over there there's no fucking it's it's hot because it's not next to the colorado river and i i yeah i just had a lot of problems with the venue where the comedy was happening um okay. so i'm hoping it gets moved to the site jacob's jacob says 
it is, and he's never said something that he hasn't done. So I believe him. Uh, we're going to push that over there. We've probably got like 400 people all told. And then that'll probably be the year that we either have to move sites, you know, for the sixth one, because uh, the next one up is fifth. That'll probably be the biggest. I either suspect by the sixth one, we'll move it to a different place or they'll some, there'll probably be some sort of uh, mass shooting event um, that will prevent us from ever doing another Childeberg. So those are my two thoughts on that. So I'm really looking forward to the future. I mean, that's an optimistic uh, uh, turn on, you know, potential events. I would like to go and check it out. I know I've been saying that for a couple of years now, but I definitely think it would be a good time. I, I, I was asked by a couple of folks that went, like, are you coming? I'm like, no, nah, I, I can't. I didn't have the vacation time. Next year, I got to make the time to go out because everybody says the same thing, that it's a fabulous time. And, you know, how many people did you know personally that were there this time? Everybody. I mean, like um, everybody seems to know me personally. Like I, I'm, I walk down the main dirt road and, and I'm talking to people and other people just come up and be like, hey, I recognize your voice. And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. And by the end of that event, I don't even remember who I've met, you know, right. on. Um, it's, it's great. I, I, my uh, extroverted nature really thrives on just being able to walk around and fit and talk to different people who I don't haven't talked to before. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it rocks. That's cool. Now yeah. let me ask you this on the other side. Now, you know, we talked about moving to Florida, you, uh, your unhealthy relationship with unhealthy fast food, which by the way, this is my drug of choice, unfortunately, because I am an addict as well. Um, uh, I don't, I've never been sober from it at all. I, I can't, I've never gotten a token from being sober from fucking, <laughs> food. um, what do you, do you miss anything about New York at all? No, <laughs> no, no, it could sink into the ocean. Okay. I don't, I don't miss the fuck. I was, I never should have been there ever. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, not one good thing, not even the food, because as far like, there's a few things that I've yet to locate, but I know there's a big Jewish community here mm-hmm. and bagels is the only thing that I've been like, I still can't get ideal bagels. And I just haven't explored the Jewish community in Miami, which is massive and probably yes. makes just as good of bagels. And that's really my only, I only think some food things in New York could be better. And, and even then, it's just a matter of finding the places here that do it exactly the same way. Um, so, yeah, I literally cannot think of one thing about New York that I do prefer more. Uh, really, I mean, a longer discussion about this would involve me talking about how something about New York and growing up in a, uh, certainly that major city, but probably a lot of major cities, is that there's some sort of blindness that you that the that you that you evolve as you be as you grow up in that culture and you become more ingrained in that culture you know for your whole life there's also a peripheral maybe blindness to uh the possibility that any other place could match your lifestyle as well as as new york and there's a, definitely a lot of people who live a New York lifestyle. I think what I realized was uh, the me living 
the kind of lifestyle that I live in New York is replicable anywhere, such as I like to hang out in abandoned buildings and I like to fish in sewers and ponds. Mm-hmm. And I like to do drugs behind court buildings. And I like to drive extremely fast on the highway. Mm-hmm. And I like to be drunk when I do everything that I just said. And you can do all <laughs> of those things in Miami already. So the template, <laughs> the model of the kind of scumbag that I am, and I, ha- I am hamming this up a little bit, but I do live a scummy life where I spend a lot of time loitering in different places and amusing myself with the environment i get a kick out of animals for instance um so i am hamming it up a little but really my lifestyle could just be moved down to miami and that's basically what happened and i've just found out new ways to loiter in various places and so there's no looking back because there's nothing unique about where i came from as far as treating my lifestyle that, that I have found or can remember. I mean, I have a lot of friends up there, but they're still up there. They didn't die. I can go fly there. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I'm, what I'm thinking is I'm probably boycotting New York's existence the way that uh, uh, like Soviet expats do about their home countries. <laughs> they don't even talk about it. Yeah, yeah. They don't talk about it at all. Because nobody, that's the other thing. Nobody outside of New York even wants to hear about New York. They don't <laughs> care. They don't care. And, and honestly, neither do I. Interesting. Because my, my mother's from the Bronx and she still has this, you know, she was born in 48. So she still thinks about the brownstone. That they that she lived in when my grandpa was still alive and stuff and like she has like this little bit of nostalgia but I don't think my mother set one toenail in the Bronx probably since you know the 1970s maybe even a little <laughs> bit earlier because she moved to you know it got worse she moved to New Jersey uh, when she was a teenager she lived in Clifton so it, it oh, mean great. it was a demonstrable downgrade from what uh, she would experience but she has this nostalgia about the city. And, you know, she came back, she, she goes at least once a year to, to, do, to go spend money with her girlfriends yeah. uh, right before the holidays. And um, she was talking to my wife and I about the condition of the subway. And of course, my mother will tell you like, oh, you know, when Rudy Giuliani was was the mayor, of course. It, it was clean. And now there's there, there, it's so violent on the subway. You can't even go in there. And I'm like, well, yeah, Ma, I mean, I wouldn't take the sub when my wife and I went there. We walked everywhere like we didn't we 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 did not take uh, we did not take the subway anywhere because I was like, you know, something I'm probably going to avoid that a little bit. But uh, she has a nostalgia for it. But at the same time, she's lived out here since 1977. So that tells you she never went back. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess I miss going to Mets games. Yeah, that's it. OK. Yeah, because you can't go to a Mets game down here unless no. you go to see them play someone else. That's right. Which happens. There's got to be a lot of Mets fans that go see the Marlins play. There's so many. Yeah, I bet. There's so many. I'm still trying to figure out what the divide is. Because, I mean, you're from, you you lived in Queens, so yeah. that makes sense. Okay, that that I but like part of my family that lives in New Jersey, there's a clear divide between Mets fans and Yankee fans. And I can't figure out like 
there's no geography it's just you selected one or the other it's, i guess yeah it's lineage it's a lineage thing okay it's like because both of them i feel like i don't know where the Mets. i think the mets have always been queens but the uh the yankees used to be in what brooklyn or did they always use i don't know i it seems i just every single yankees or mets fan that i've ever met has a father who's the fan of the same team as them yeah including their fathers like it, it just seems to go back very far like my my grandfather was a mets and jets fan mm-hmm. my great grandfather was a mets and jets fan well no my great grandfather would not have been a mets fan cuz the mets were started in 1960 i guess um but like the jets who've been around for very long it's the same thing it's like this is these are these are fan bases that are the way they are because my grandfather was a fan of them, but like, they suck. These teams are terrible. <laughs> They're really bad teams. And it's, it's, it's just New Yorkers. I are very loyal to brands. That's <laughs> the same with Cleveland, man. The Browns every year. You ain't kidding. Like these people, they, they had, they had a parade when they went zero and 16. <laughs> I mean, you got them. That's the perfect opportunity. Yeah, they like, had who else can say they've done that? Nobody. They went, they didn't win one goddamn game. And they're like, we're having a parade uh, right in front of the stadium. And it was great. Like people showed up and it was, it was terribly cold outside too, because, you know, people from this part of the world, they're just, they, you still have to party regardless of what the temperature is. No, I mean, you just, I guess I would probably feel the same way you did once I'm removed from it from a prolonged period of time. And then my first 20 degree day, I'd be like, oh, wow. Okay. But like, here, like I get up at 530 in the morning before work to take my dog out and, you know, we're out. So he's a Husky. So this is like, you know, Mother Russia to him. Like when it's when it's 20 or below, he's in his element. Yeah, and no, I guess no, I no. just I, I just got used to it. And you're out there in the snow and the ice and I'm ripping my pants and falling down and breaking my thumb and shit. And it's just like, well, this is just what happens every year. But I, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how the adjustment would be. My you know, my it, me climatizing took two weeks. It was it. I was like. I, I I left New York where it was still, it was January. So yeah, it was like fucking 10 degrees out. And I, I got to Florida on January 3rd, I guess, maybe January 2nd. It was like not 85 degrees out. <laughs> and I immediately climatized to the point where when I went back to New York, it was like 50 and I was like, I had like a full jacket on <laughs> like, it was like I could. I hated it. I hated it. I never realized I liked because I don't like the summer. I just like when it's hot. Okay. Like a lizard. Like a lizard. Like lizard Pete. Where you are? You a lizard person, sir? Is that what you? I hope so. That'd be. Great. I'm expecting to get a check. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. So tell me what what else has been going on with you? How is um. How's recording now for Timeline now that you're in Florida? I know that you took a little time to like get situated and then get to work um, on, you know, all the things that you had building up. So, I mean, like, how's that all coming along for you? Good. I got to do more. I feel like I have to do more stuff. I, I don't I, I have to just put out more content. Um, it has been a busy few months uh, in my personal life as well as in my podcasting life. The, now that Childerberg is over. It's just sort of a big mental weight off of my head, mm-hmm. um, at least until the next year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, basically, I'm feeling like I have the bandwidth now uh, to do more 
personal content. Um, I just want to do more of my own show. I just want to talk to, uh, um, say, like do single style conversation stuff uh, with people who are constantly on my timeline. So I, I want that to be the next project. Um, when I get my voice back, I'll know more. Uh, but yeah, that's basically, I feel freed up after Childerberg. Oh, that's good. That's good. So what else, what else is on your radar right now? Do you have any, like, I know that you, you're more into weird news now more than anything else. Like you try to like disassociate, you know, at least free yourself from the burden of, you know, what having kind this... of weird news. Well, like the last time we talked, Bird said that he likes the weird stuff, like weird news stuff. Cause he doesn't get too like wrapped up in what everybody's getting all upset about. And I'm just curious to see, have you been able to keep yourself distant from all of the news or do you find your timeline gets flooded with it? Well, I am a daily Fox news watcher. <laughs> um, okay. I am. Uh, there's it, I got Tucker and then I got Sean Hannity on Oof. every day. They're on. I watch them every single day. And I realized my father came down here um, and we were watching Fox News together. And, and I looked over at him and was like, holy shit, this is where I get it from. Because he's looking at the TV <laughs> and he's and he's arguing with Tucker as he's talking. And he's just super entertained, like having a great time. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, yeah, this is why I watch this crap. Because I just engage with it and argue with it constantly. So that being said, I'm super attached to every single thing that's getting people upset lately. Um, <laughs> but I still make an effort to not talk about it on TLE unless it's funny because I just, nobody cares. Does anybody care? I don't think they do. Um, a lot of the things that are going on, I'll go right to the Uvalde shooting. It's crazy how that happened what are we three days removed five days not long removed mm -hmm. two weeks and you would think it didn't happen <laughs> you would think that it did not happen it's gone people are not talking about it Tw twitter is the only place where you get the occasional hashtag uvaldi and it's like some the sheriff was uh, giving a blowjob to somebody during the shooting. But and now he's like, like the wow. county commissioner or some yeah, shit. Yeah, did you like, see that? And they he, took him, they stepped him down, and then they were like, okay, here's a secret ceremony where we blow you and we give you a suit, and you go out and you're now the <laughs> a new guy. He's a new guy. <laughs> a new guy. So, yeah, it's very, it's extremely weird. Um, have we all just stopped talking about that one? Um, yeah. I mean, what more is there to say, though, that it's I feel like well, we've gotten to the point where it's like everything happens so fast. Nobody really even cares what the other side has to say anymore. We're all just standing around talking at each other. And it's, it's like to me, all... it's not national news. But what should, would you not national news? It just shouldn't have been something. With? Oh, God, anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> I, I when I, I what I realized is we get to the point where we're looking at a piece of news and we're going just frustrated about it. And it happened in a place that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Why is it on my TV? I, get, it's, I get that it's tragic. Mm -hmm. It being tragic 
actually does the opposite to me than equals put it on my TV. It's it definitely says don't put it on my TV mm-hmm. if it's so tragic and it has nothing to do with me and it's four three thousand miles away from me personally. The na- it's not national news. National news should be stuff that the entire nation has to worry about. Yeah. Specifically. And if we did seriously, if we did that, there probably would be no national news. And I think that would well, be yeah, that would mean something. Do you think about have you ever read The Walden by Henry David Thoreau? Not in, t- in its entirety, no. But the point where he talks about them establishing telegraph lines all across the country and being able to talk instantaneously with people that are so far away that like you wouldn't even be able to comprehend it. It's right. like we know things that happen on the other side of the world that are so inconsequential to us in our everyday lives, but it's like we know nothing about what's happening within our own communities anymore. And it's no. like the way that we taught the way that you brought that up about like the national news, it makes me think about when like they taught us in school what direct democracy was. And it's like, well, not not everybody has time to take out of their day to vote on all of the issues. But it's like, well, if we don't have the time to take it out of our day and talk about it, is it important for, enough for like the government to even be dealing with it? Like if there's nothing that would be newsworthy on the national level, like, well, it's the same kind of thing for me, basically. Well, it's like, this, then why do we care? Like, what are we, let's go do something else. The only reason why it's in the national news, I mean, this is not a, a revelation to anybody, but only reason why it's in the national news is so that the national parties can use it for stuff, just various reasons. Oh, it's a vehicle for sure. Yeah, I mean, it is. The Gabby Petito thing was like this, where, yeah, this woman, and I believe her and her boyfriend live in fucking Mexico now or something. Like, they're they're gone, they got paid. I mean, it's the fakest thing of all time, the Gabby Petito thing. But it still made national news, and it wasn't national news. What's the I, Gabby Petito thing? The chick who was kidnapped and killed by her boyfriend. Do you remember this? This was like a four-week endeavor where yeah. Dog the Bounty Hunter got involved. Oh, shit. Was that the guy was like hiding in his mom's basement or some shit? Yeah, like, in, in the Everglades. Died and, he was in, and they found his skeleton in the Everglades. Yes, yes. Even though he was only dead for less than a week. Yeah, um, full, full skeletization that quick, man. That's Florida for you. I had no idea that was how that all turned out. It's a big fakery. Well, it's not real is the thing. Anyway, I mean, real or not, it's not national news. It's not national news that someone gets kidnapped and killed. I'm sorry. It's the news of whatever state the kidnapping happened in, whatever states the person might have gone through, and whatever states the person took them to. At most, at absolute most, it could never, this could never have been an issue of New Hampshire's, like it could never have been a New Hampshire problem. So I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Again, same reason. But it's not national news. And I just feel like people should approach things before anything else. Uh, And I mean our people. Because people are going to use this to manipulate people's emotions. Sure. But I mean, in order to be not manipulated, you really just got to go, it's just national news. And if you say no, you it doesn't matter what happened. It does not matter what happened. It, it is happening what has no impact on anything that's going to happen to you. I don't care if there's five school shootings in California. None of them happened in, in, in Ohio. None of them happened in Illinois. None of them happened in Indiana. Those people probably should anyone, any anarchist who's from there should probably go, okay, I don't care. I'm actually just going to mute it on Twitter. I'm just going to mute it. 
because I, f- I find personally myself mm-hmm. um, that I will get sucked in, but I usually laugh about it and put it on TLE. But there's like a bunch of people who, and it's, and it's never the same person a million times. It's just, there's so many people. seems like enough people are biting constantly on something that there's this group of people who just are biting on news stories, uh, like more consequential ones than Gabby Petito. Like, uh, oh, I'm going to even say the war in Ukraine. It's not national news. I'm going to say it right now. Not national news. Um, It's news of over there and in Washington, D.C. And a lot of people take opinions on it. And I really feel like we should just go, I don't care. It's not my business. (laughs) And that's that's my escapism. But that's really what I believe to escape. uh, My God, the endless news cycle of just it's boring. It's boring. It's really boring to me, I think, is the problem as a TLE host. I think it's really important that you said, like, you know, you feel like that Gabby Petito story was, you know, made up and like she's somewhere in Mexico and he's somewhere in Mexico. And because I had this conversation with um, us guys the other couple weeks ago, whatever. And I said, sometimes I just feel like it's just all made up and not one portion of it's real. And because they'll say something crazy like, oh, he was an expert bomb maker at 24. And it's like, how the <laughs> fuck can you be an expert bomb maker at 24? You know, like, I don't know. I agree. Yeah, it, it, it all kind of, I mean, it, the other thing too is, and I, I want to get your opinion on this. Like every time I hear, like it, my problem is, it's like, you know, despite people's hatred for the man, I grew up in my 20s into my 30s being an avid uh, Art Bell fan and Alex Jones fan. In fact, I discovered Alex through Art Bell's Coast to Coast. No, I think George yeah, yeah. Norrie was was hosting instead. But anyway, but it was Coast to Coast. I'm like, I had to work at six o'clock in the morning and I'm driving to work. You know, I got like five hours of sleep and like I'm sucking down like a coffee and I'm driving to work and I turn on the radio and here's this man ranting about Bilderberg on um, on Coast to Coast AM. And I was hooked from that point forward. And um, then I got it, you know, like not David Ike, some David Ike smart. But when he's, you know, I know that his detractors, of course, are going to focus on one of the few things that he said but now i think everything's a fucking psyop everything i'm like yeah oh joe biden says something about gun control next thing you know people are getting mowed down everywhere i'm like well i wonder what federal agency's handling this one is this domestic or is this international right yeah Which- every single one of them now i'm going well because like i believe in memes and i believe that the columbine killers started a trend mm-hmm. i really i do i believe that there was a, one school shooting and the media kind of made them look cool which is wild. But ever since then, there's just been school shootings as a possibility because it's a part of the culture. But I guess for me, the psyop is just look at the same people who psyop you before they're going to psyop you again. It doesn't matter what the event occurring is or whether or not it's real. It's uh, if, if this psyop, obviously psyop group is, is telling you something about the event that just happened. You pro- it's probably a psyop. <laughs> just safe to say. Yeah, I, I I feel that way. But then again, you start to question your own sanity at some point. We're like all the time, I, every day. Yeah, am I like am I am I the crazy one for just thinking a little bit about this? You know what I mean? Because you know, like Murray Rothbard said. Well, I mean, what did he say about like you know what is it? The greatest threat to uh, the state is someone who can think independently or individually, you know, for themselves. And that's a problem for the state because, 
you can actually you have critical thinking skills and not to say that i'm i'm not right about that but like we, i had this conversation with um with angel a couple of days ago and i said you know something we had we well, before ronnie reagan banned them by the way i mean you can mail order like submachine guns like through a catalog you you send a check or a money order uh-huh. And you would get a submachine gun. I mean, that yeah. literally, you could buy fully automatic M16s through the mail. Like the the things that the anti-gun people talk about right now, literally, what could have been done before 1985. Like it was, it was something that you could do, right? It was 84, 85, and nobody shot up schools back then when these were readily accessible. And then all of a sudden, then you you pointed it out, like after Columbine. In 99, it's just been progressively, you know, marching forward. Like we get one and then we get several. And then now it's just like every single day. And then South Park, you know, I, you have to laugh when, you know, Sharon's going crazy saying there's another school shooting. The kids are trying to learn math, math at South Park. <laughs> and they're dodging like gunfire and shit. And the hall monitors have AR-15s and stuff. And it's like people just stop giving a shit. And it's like. I understand why this might be bad to not care, but at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't know how this is being orchestrated. So I know that I certainly don't want to give up anything I have because somebody went crazy. So why should I bother? You know what I mean? I know. I I feel like it's a lot of people that just haven't swallowed that black pill yet though, too, because it's like, there's, I don't know, over the past few years, it just seems like lately, I definitely for myself and a lot of the people that I know where it's like everybody, you look around, it doesn't matter what, if you're watching the news or if you're just talking to people that like you haven't seen in a while, everybody talks about the same shit. It's like everybody is just much more depressed than they were already before. There's a whole new fucking host of problems. Everybody feels like regardless of what's actually happening, there's just this general sense of like kind of hopelessness or complete helplessness. And it's like, I've never really had faith in the government and any agency associated with it or the media for at least like the last five years. And it's like, everybody else is catching up very quickly. And it's just like, I, I, I don't see how there's so many people that don't see through all of this shit, but I understand that I was once there, but It's just like, after a while, after enough prolonged stress, your body just kind of can't really take anymore. It just kind of numbs everything. And it's a very hard process to come back from, but it's like, yeah, what do you do when you get to that point? Like, you still have to go to work tomorrow. You still have to fucking pay bills. What are you as one person going to do about any of this when you don't even really know who is orchestrating, who is pulling the strings? Is this all a psyop? Is it, it's like, to the point where there is no, I think that's the hardest thing. I don't know if I, like, I had, I thought I had certainty about a lot of things in life and I'm starting to realize that that was all misplaced or misguided. And it's like, oh, now I'm like, how the fuck can anybody be certain about anything? You can find a thousand different answers to one question on the internet. All of the sources are easily disputable. And ultimately it just comes down to what do you want to put your faith in at the end of the yeah, day? Right. Yep. Or like, why are we researching at all, I guess? Yeah, um, like, what end are you reaching? Is there yeah. any concrete? It, it, I keep thinking back to that guy that defected from the Soviet Union 
I can't remember his name, like Yuri Bezmenov, I think, where he's talking about how to destabilize a country. And he's like, this is already happening. Like, even though the Soviet Union has collapsed, like the damage has already been done. And it's like, I feel very much like that is happening. And we are just living through, like, I think the the organism that is our state is actually dead and we are just the bacteria living in a corpse that is well, yeah, rotting I, I in think, the sun. I do. I think the elites who control the state at this point are realizing that the, their power of the purse with their ability to print money is very quickly uh, losing its power. Mm-hmm. And so they're basically just prolonging the, uh, the economic collapse of the dollar enough that they can buy enough Bitcoin to hedge against the oncoming collapse. They're kind of hedging themselves against the collapse by making the collapse worse for everybody else. Um, so relatively so yeah. they're still okay compared to everybody else. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I mean, that's, I think this is literally happening. I'd like to do an episode on, on where I see this happening, but I think this is, at this point, the people who, who pull the strings have gone, okay, we, our currency doesn't have the value it used to. I think it's time to jump ship. And we're, we're in the ship jumping process. And like everything happening underneath the, the collapse of the dollar and the, the hedging of the elites against that collapse with, with our sanity, I think is we're seeing... Like the the world that we live in is a result of that uh, instability, uh, first and foremost, because of all the things that that instability means and comes from, such as you know this old idea that the elites use various things like I don't know race and class to divide uh, the rest of America while they hedge against inflation, hedge against collapse through inflation and printing more money and buying more Bitcoin, like all, all these things. Um, I think all of these things are just symptoms of that main problem. And so whenever I am looking at the news or anything like that, I think we're in kind of in collapse mode. And I guess I would want to take the news more seriously if I thought there was a uh, turning around, but I don't think there's a turning around point. I I do think there's going to be a hard collapse and then probably come back, but the collapse part, is coming at least the dollars collapse is coming and it's probably going to be pretty rough for a lot of people um and i just think all of this i guess this is a time preference argument but i basically think uh the instability of the dollar is causing a lot of the other things we're seeing one way or another mm-hmm. and so that's how you got to approach it at least which is why i try and make fun of news because if this is not um these are not battles worth fighting but they're, they're pretty entertaining. That's true. You know what I wanted to ask you about, Bert? I know that we talked about it the last time. I just wanted, like, we you said that you're a bit of a, you're, you're a little bit uh, misanthropic. Like, what, how did, how did you get to that point? Like, when did you realize that you actually, you know, felt that way? You know what I mean? Was there something specific that happened that you were like, was there general progression? Like, you know, just being alive long enough to realize that, you know, this kind of whole thing sucks um like what was it like i was just always curious to see how people got to that point yeah i don't know i i guess i'm a misanthrope but also i i uh i really enjoy the values of the of the lower middle class um even though the lower middle class 
is the one that gets led around the most uh, by the state. Yeah. Um, and I am mostly a populist, except for areas where I feel like elites need to um, exercise authority. Um, like, you know, you can't, uh, uh, well, you can, but, but it's very difficult to run a business without a single chairman. Um, so I float between populist and elitist. And I guess I float because I usually think elitists are misanthropes. This is, I guess that's not necessarily true, mm. but uh, I, what I probably would, if presented with the idea that I'm a misanthrope, I guess I would just say, how could you not be some days? It's not like I want to be that way, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like this has been said and said before, but like we did just go through a really long period of uh, people basically affirming that whatever kind of society we have, it's, it's not a society where people uh, stand up for one another's desires for things not to change. Um, and I don't know how you have a, a, a nation uh, like that. Um, Cause I, I don't, if you have a nation that's purely about change, it's going to stop being a nation very quick. Cause it's going to change. Um, but we're not in that place where we, we have a, the American nation. And over the past few years, we've realized that there's plenty of people who are like, Oh, you, you know, you want to go to your church service or your favorite restaurant, or you, Oh, you want to get on a plane or, you want to have a, a ma- magazine with a capacity over 12 bullets? Um, n- no. <laughs> how about, how about no, mm-hmm. even though you could do that before and you, you could do all of that before and nobody would even have even thought that it was a problem. Now you can't, even though nothing on your end has changed. It's just that there are some people who we haven't adapted to the existence of talking about the school shooter in one instance sure we haven't adapted to that 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 creature's existence and so you can't have guns it's just like and and like half of well more americans now probably than ever support gun rights which is an encouraging thing Mm -hmm. but they don't support all kinds of rights in that same way and they certainly didn't support i it's i don't know if you want to say hipaa but they certainly didn't support this pretty, I would say, standard idea. If you brought it to most Americans, they'd probably say, yeah, that's a good idea of keeping people's medical information private. Yeah, They did not. They um, Most of America said under certain circumstances, this is not we this is not absolute. And so I think. There's definitely still things in this country that are absolute. But seeing how many things, well, I guess this is a contradiction. There's definitely a lot of things that appear to be absolute, like America's rejection of pedophiles grooming our kids at drag show dances mm-hmm. in kindergarten. Generally, America seems to think this is very bad. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so sure, and that's just one example, for instance, that that will be the case for a long enough period where I feel that I have the ability to protect my own kids from it. And then maybe even that they'll have the ability to protect their own kids from it. Or even that the culture is changing to the point where I have to fight with my kid or grandkid 
about the idea that grooming a child in kindergarten is not a good idea or thing. Like even that is a pressure to me, which didn't exist, I guess, 20 years ago. And this is just one pressure. So I guess, how could you not be a misanthrope? But I, but it probably where this refines is I used to think this distinction was not important because I think maybe four or five years ago, it wasn't as important. Right and left is more important now because it defines who I like and who I don't like a lot more accurately than it used to. And I think this is probably the old Dave Smith. They pushed me this way argument where like I was felt like I was in the same place, but it seems like more people who I agree with started moving over to one side than other people. Like, like there's plenty of people on the left who I still agree with a lot, mm-hmm. but like compared to five years ago where a lot of, I guess most of my, most of my circle probably still calls themselves libertarians. I would probably say the remainder split between anarchist and probably probably right wing right winger. Okay. And I, and I feel like these groups five years ago, most of them would have just called themselves libertarians because the distinction wasn't that important. Like we've been arguing, for instance, about the non-aggression principle. Mm-hmm. It was years ago when I was like, I don't really buy this non-aggression principle thing. And everybody was like, you know what? I guess it's just a good guideline. And we'd be able to kind of end it there and be yeah. like, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, I'm but, 100%. But for some reason, five years later, you have sides that are going. So both you have two sides that are both insisting the nap is more important than I believe it was five years ago, which is very strange. Why did it become more important to the conversation? Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it is you have more people who are willing to take a more restrictive definition of the term than they did five years ago. There's more people now who are willing to take what I would consider to be some pretty dumb stances on what seems to be a generally Western tradition of non-aggression. Um, it's like I, practically biblical. Uh, it, it, it's weird to me that like even in our own communities, we're now talking about, like we're still talking about the same things we did five years ago. But the only thing that changed was the environmental circumstances and it, and it forced people to either go harder in the paint for the idea on one end or abandon it entirely and also go harder in the paint. But nobody is where we were five years ago, where we could all talk about the, the NAP and go, uh, I don't know, do you? I'm not sure, but it seems like it's a pretty good idea. And that used to be the end of the conversation. It's just weird to me how that all happened. And I think that... Um, well, first of all, I think it broke up the community pretty severely. Agreed. Which is not helpful to my own personal entertainment, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, to I was thinking about this. Basically, where I'm going to is this. I am, I am just an organizer for Childerberg. Like my presence there and my talking about it on the show are what I do for it. 
like people I, I literally am running around the whole time talking to people try to keep everybody engaged that's what I do for it and then I you know this year just kind of full circle this year people came out with things to sell and promote and exchange and there were people who were um doing all these things of creating stuff and also educating other people on how to create stuff and i'm just kind of looking around i I think i was talking to either agora brewing or i was talking to car and i was basically like we're like doing we're like doing the agora right now and he was like yeah we kind of are and i was thinking about it i was going this is the most successful put your money where your mouth is and if more people could do more events like this, we're practically opening up the door to creating a parallel economy or a parallel exchange economy because there's plenty of things being bought and sold there that you can't buy and sell in your average store. And we're bringing people together to be able to make those exchanges and also to have a great time. And I think where I'm moving to is that that's the only thing that I really give a shit about as far as. When, when it gets put up, uh, the NAP libertarians, which I, I don't, my trouble is I don't consider myself a libertarian anymore because I don't, I never have been satisfied by the NAP. And again, five years ago, people would have said, well, it's not a requirement uh, to accept the NAP, absolutely, to call yourself a libertarian. It feels like now more than ever, that's the dividing line. So I've dropped term. I don't know where I stand, but you guys all know me. My opinions haven't changed. So whatever it is. The, the point being this thing that was created at Childerberg is the most successful, put your money where your mouth is for people who get challenged with, well, what are you actually doing? What do you actually, you can't, you, you can't just tweet and you certainly can't just vote or attend libertarian party meetings. These things don't do, they don't do anything. In fact, a lot of the LP successes since Gary Johnson are now sort of gone. The name recognition is gone again. Mm-hmm. The, the, the gathering ability is not gone. I mean, Reno, I heard Reno was popping. So good for them. I hope they got a lot done, but it's not at the prestige that it even was during Gary Johnson's era in the, in the way that matters. And I feel like Childerberg is the most successful. Put your money where your mouth is. What are you doing about, you know, Pete Quinones will bring up alternative um means so 3d printing bitcoin pete is very much in the area where i am where the idea is you cannot just say well there shouldn't be public schools that and then there would be no shootings because it's like everybody's left looking around going oh yeah but okay there's still what are we going to do i mean they're still here right now and i think a lot of people agree with me and agree with him although for some reason when he says it it gets misconstrued that the idea that you got it you can't just talk about dismantling something you have got to have a parallel setup ready to go and homeschooling exists certainly and parallel economies are another thing that you can't just dismantle the centralized economy and and or not participate in it and not replace it with something and childerberg is a great little at least it was there a great little example of a genuine open market where frankly if more people brought more stuff 
There was not one rule about what could and could not be sold there. Although I'm sure if people take other people up on, on those offers, there will become some rules about <laughs> what can and can't be sold. Sure. But there's way more um, ability to access things that the centralized economy prevents you from accessing. And I don't just mean drugs. I also mean there were particular kinds of plants that were being sold at Childeberg that are illegal to plant in Florida. And so you can't really sell them. These are invasive species and things like that. I generally, generally don't like uh, uh, doing things like planting invasive species where they don't belong. Not a good idea, but you can't, you don't even have the option to purchase some things in Florida, for instance, that, or, or in, in Texas and have it shipped to Florida that I get to go to Texas, buy some stuff, put it in a bag. And then these idiots at TSA have no idea what it is anyway. And now I can bring it home to my garden. It's simple things. It's little simple. It's, it's, I don't know how impressive that is, but it's far more than someone without Childerberg has the options to do. And so I feel like in a little way, it is a put your money where your mouth is type of thing. And so it's become the biggest focus for me, uh, this Childerberg thing, as far as where the action happens. Um, I don't know. I feel like TLE is like this too. It's all about joking around. Childerberg was all about joking around. And yet we got some serious shit done. We also sacrificed a jug of milk, which you can't get in the regular economy. <laughs> <laughs> and do you ever, do you get like, even if you feel like it might not be like a huge thing right now, but I feel like there has to be some sort of satisfaction in just knowing that it may be something small today but it's like you have found a way to counter a giant system that so many people think is so unstoppable, but that there's like no point in even trying, you know what I mean? And Ga like, like the gathering 300 people to one place from all around the country for Memorial day weekend is like, to me, not a small thing at all. Oh, I meant like more I, like the plant thing itself with like the TSA. Oh, oh but yeah. No, no yeah, I'm not. No, no I, that's a, uh, that's an awesome thing that you were able to do that. I, that's uh, absolutely but I was thinking, like, I remember I went through an airport once and I had like a cigar cutter in my backpack that I forgot about. And the TSA didn't say shit. And it's like, here's this huge fucking organization yeah, they, that they spend so much money and employ so many people. <laughs> and it's like, everybody thinks that just because something's giant, it's like, you don't stand a chance. And it's like, these people are, it's the fucking DMV. Nobody gives a fuck. Like, right. it's like, if more people realize that it's just another entity like that, it's like, it doesn't look nearly as hopeless. But also, yeah, the organization and the creation of that market is outstanding. And I definitely hope more people start showing up to stuff like that in the future and realizing that it's a viable means. Of in, in, the, in the same way that Pete always talks about, as far as a localist perspective is concerned, uh, building a community so that the community can operate outside of state restriction. You know, communities will solve problems in ways that a state might come in and say, oh, no, no, we have a bureaucratic method for this. You cannot solve a problem that way. A community can solve a problem that way. In the same way, if you have multiple communities in an area who solve their problems in their own ways, you have a far more functioning um, individual cell system that can then function with more efficiency between cells because things get handled between small groups. And then you scale this up a little more and scale it up a little more. And eventually you find out what the borders are and it, you find out that around every cell is its own little set of borders. 
and this is what makes the idea work at least in so much as it prevents other people's tomfoolery from interrupting what you're trying to do now if there were if there's one childeberg it's a cool proof of concept if there's 10 it's a very cool proof of concept and if there's 100 we kind of just built a parallel economy of exchange we have a, a a flea market it's our own version of a flea market except it has an ideological intention most flea markets the idea is not specifically hey let's sell things here that for one reason or another we can't at a flea market or whatever the case may be i mean if there were a hundred of these or a thousand of these it's not just a proof of concept anymore so yeah it's undeniable <laughs> for now it is but it's the, it it actually it works yeah, that's a huge feather in the cap. I think that everybody that in, that is involved with that should really feel good about themselves. And, you know, I, I get when, you know, I he, maybe he does get a lot of heat for what he says. But I mean, yeah, localizing. I mean, we, we've talked about it before on, on the show. Like we had Idaho Joe, who's an awesome guy. He's like running uh, for he's running for um, Congress in Idaho and um as a libertarian and you know we we had a nice conversation he's a great guy and you know i he said you know what you know i asked him of course what would be like some of the first things that he would like do like would he check out like i don't know the, the congressional cafeteria first or like whatever like what would, what would he do first you know and you know as far and then we talked about like legislation stuff like that and you know he kind of asked us what our opinion is and i was like i think that that's way too far gone like i was we were very honest you know and we did agree that doing things locally, you know, at a local level makes far more sense because at least there's a modicum of accountability, at least in your own community, as opposed to the larger the monster gets, the more removed it is from your ability to access it, regardless of whether or not they're even going to entertain your complaint or your question or your suggestion. It's, it's, uh, it's like a miniature version of drawing the borders of African countries. It's like, you can, all right, these guys in Europe are drawing these borders and we are still today seeing the consequences of a poorly drawn border. 100%. You have a, um, a police service that that is somewhere else or, or even further, you have the cr whole criminal justice system of a given county or state that says, hey, this is how this has to be solved in this way. Like in some states, you can have cameras in the courtroom and in some states you can't. It's like lit. I mean, there's so, and you'd think that would be important that one of those was the standard somewhere or that we'd have a better idea of maybe individual people could go, yeah, I want the camera in there or yeah, I don't want the camera. Basically what I'm saying is there's so much variation in the way that states do these things. It's just drawing borders because you go into a small community where an incident occurs and you have people from, I don't know, Baltimore who are deciding what's going to happen in this small case just by just through case law, not like even individually people going there, finding out what happened, finding out what the best way to, to I don't know, decide the situation would be. You, you just sort of have uh, people from on high going, yeah, you have to solve it this way. And, and it's not helping the community. It's not it's not. Uh, erasing the bad blood in the way that like literally if the men of the community could sit down and go, Hey, there's a lot of gun violence in our schools. 
we should probably sit down as men and figure this situation out. You can do this today, but it doesn't mean shit if you don't have legal authority at the same time. If these dads are all just meeting so that they could be social or spiritual leaders to a bunch of kids who are killing one another in schools, it doesn't do anything or it doesn't do as much as if these, these adult men could get together and go, all right, we got to agree. If this happens, we have to have a unified response on this to stop this problem. You just have police who enforce these rules by legislatures that don't have any connection to the communities that they legislate. And this is, I mean, this is a problem we talk about all the time, but it certainly is, God has to go to the idea of localism on just about every level. At least that's what I think. I think it would be more labor intensive, but I think it would be a lot better in the long run because it's like the top down, like bureaucratic way to solve problems, I think is to like, the idea is to streamline and save energy i guess but it's like it's not energy that's going back into that community it's exactly. probably not even solving that problem it ends up right. becoming more work in the long run but now it's like well we spent so much time and money propping up these organizations in order to get it to work better we need to spend more time and money and it's like well that's not how any of this actually works that's just and it's i mean talking about the policing thing i know it's not like we had the discussion it shouldn't be national news but look at the police response in Uvalde. It was like parents were trying to go into the school because the police weren't doing what needed to be done. And instead of actually going in and stopping the situation, they were creating a barrier to where parents were getting arrested, trying to go yeah. into the school and pull their own children out. Well, that and I mean, that that's whole situation. There was a discussion on Hannity today about what his idea was, how to fix the problem. His idea, which I think is this is crazy to me, is put an armed guard in every school didn't they already have that yes exactly and he didn't do anything he didn't do it because they don't want to die over someone else's kid the only people the only people who would be willing to die over their kids for sure is the parents so yeah. why are the parents not involved in the security of the school if that's the best way to ensure that whoever's being hired for the job will actually give their life that's a good point. Crazy. It is I crazy mean, to me. Do you think it's more of like an economic, like instead of having like a parent that's free to stay at home or do whatever, it's like everybody's got to be out working now to support a household. Oh, and yes. they're kind I of mean, relying absolutely. on the state to provide the solution I mean, and be that's like, hey, why their kids are in school. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And clearly yeah, that's not working time. out anymore. No, it's really not. And I do as much as um you know, saying this leaves you open for a, well, what are you going to do about it? Like we really need to, we really do need to end the public school system as rapidly as possible for ourselves. I mean, it, it, public school needs to be destroyed generally because it's creating our enemies. Yes. But also we definitely, you definitely would be seeing a lot more homeschooling if parents did not have to work as hard as, as many hours as they do. At the peak of home, I, I always think about the Middle Ages, right, or something like this, where, where everybody was 100% of people were homeschooled, except for very wealthy people who are usually older. I mean, this is because ever, all the work was being done around the house. And honestly, people in the Middle Ages did not work as many hours as we do. It's just, it's just a simple fact that work, the amount that Americans work 
and have to work in order to survive yeah. prevents us from doing these things. And this, this is a basic time preference argument. I mean, this is, the, and, and it, again, full circle goes back to the original problem, which is the money is being devalued rapidly. We have to work harder. We have to keep working harder until it all, you know, sort of breaks. And um, the break has to come because eventually human beings bandwidth is going to be expended. Oh, absolutely. And I, that's like, there's a really good Tim Dillon bit where he talks about that. He's like, when you have to work two jobs and you're still like a car accident or minor emergency away from being homeless, he's like, yep. people are going to snap. And it's like, you can, you can light all the lavender candles and run the hot baths that you want, but like, you're still going to fucking snap. Like one of these days, it's just going to be too much. And I feel like, I mean, I haven't been around a real long time. Like, I don't know what it was like in the 80s. 2008 didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But like, it, I heard people were having hard times. I don't know how this stacks up compared to that. But like, it's not looking good. And it just kind of seems like everybody's waiting. Like, we're all, you're never really going to be as ready as you'd like to be. But like, there's almost the attitude of like, let's just get it over with at this point, if it's yeah. going to happen. Like, just yep. rip the Band-Aid off. Let's start rebuilding from whatever ashes there are going to be. Like it's the waiting that's worse because it's like the constant stress over like, when's it going to be? What am I going to be doing? Who am I going to have to go like meet up with? You know what I mean? Well, this is the question I have. We've talked about it before amongst us guys. And I'll ask Bird what he thinks. Um, When we've, we've talked about collapse and I've always been, I've always had this question in my mind, what it would have been like to be a uh, Roman citizen of Britannia the day after the legions were pulled out. Like the, the day before you're at the bathhouse, you're mingling, you're talking, you're, you know, you're speaking Latin, everything's great. You know, roads, my roads, everything's wonderful. It's functioning, trades happening. And then kind of like in, what is it, Godfather 2, where Batista gets in front of the crowd on New Year's and he goes, hey, everybody, uh, the revolutionaries are at the door. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it, but I got to go and I wish <laughs> you the best of luck. And if not, not exactly the same way, but one day, you know, you're living in, in Rome, in the Ro- in the Roman empire. And the next day, the legions are like, Hey, listen, the emperor says we're done with this outpost. He's sick of these, uh, people coming over the wall that paint themselves and run naked into battle. We're sick of these people. Amazing. There's the native population. That's absolutely trying to come at you. Listen, there's a lot of dangers out there, friend. We wish you nothing but the best. We're going back to Gaul. We'll see you later. And I always want, first of all, the feeling of, is this really happening? And then secondly, what am I going to do? And then thirdly, I always try to like think, I try to equate how that would happen here. And I forget who said it. it's like one day you would wake up and like, you forget that you have to renew your stupid tags for your car and you go to the BMV and now the BMV is only open once a week. And then the next month, it's just the location's closed. And then you have to report, you have to go someplace else. And then one day they just stop requiring tags. You know what I was going to say? But yeah, very quickly, the tag would become unnecessary. Right. I just, I always wonder how the breakdown happens because, you know, I, I would imagine it's gradual. And I think that we're already in the gradual portion of the breakdown than to the rapid acceleration to where these institutions start to disappear. And what's yeah. left behind? Like, what is your take? How do you feel? Uh, I think following from the principle of uh, the money is being devalued and the elites are, are, are controlling that 
the, the amount that it's being devalued strategically enough that they can get squeeze as much blood out of it as possible in order to hedge themselves against the collapse that you, that makes it gradual. And it's probably as you get closer to the end collapses more exponentially, but as you get closer to the end, it becomes less economically viable to be invested in the system for anybody. So probably as the speed of the collapse increases, fewer and fewer people feel it because they've already jumped ship. Um, just like any other investment, right? Where, you know, you could, you have a $1,000 in something goes down to 800. Some people jump mm -hmm. then down to six, more people jump then down to two, almost everybody's jumped and there's still people holding on till zero. And the stock is not their whole life. It's just one stock. So people can afford more, believe it or not, to just wait until it completely devalues. Mm -hmm. Then something like the U S dollar, which at present, I would say 90% present about 99% of Americans have wealth exclusively tied to the American dollar. So that number has got to decrease as it becomes more valuable to have wealth in other sources. So the collapse will be slow until it's fast, but the faster it gets, the fewer people are going to be feeling its exponential pain. And I, and it's going to sort in, in that way, it probably will be somewhat unremarkable and more like a thing where we look back in the history books and it's put a lot more cleanly together for us. Cause I don't know how far along we are here, but like if diesel prices keep going up. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost $6 here. It's insane. Yes. If diesel prices keep going up, people are not going to be able to eat and we're not going to have mass starvation in America we're going to find out some other way to get the food. And I just think little things, I mean, we'll probably have mass starvation, but we'll also be finding ways to get the food. It's not like just a hundred percent of people in America are going to starve to death. Probably more people will starve, unfortunately, than since the great depression. Um, but people are going to be divesting as it becomes more advantageous to do so in their own minds. So that's the vision of it is it's a slow till it's fast and the faster it gets, the fewer people get hurt at the end. But everybody's going to get some amount of hurt. And it's just their stubbornness as far as what, when to jump off that determines how hard they'll be hit in the end. And I feel pretty confident about that diagnosis. So you would wonder why anybody would stick around even tomorrow. And yet we're all still sticking around because people just don't believe that the U.S. dollar will collapse. And I think you have these get on zero people, these Bitcoiners who are already out. And those are the earliest people out. And I really do. Why haven't I gone on zero? Because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? That's it. Really? And so I can't put my money where my mouth. I could, but I'm lazy. But I fully am going to be looking at them and going, you're doing the right thing because there's no way the US dollar turns around and you're currently holding the most appreciating asset in, in comparison to the U S dollar. Right. So it just makes sense to me. 
Fair enough. Here's another one for you. So let's say all of this happens. I mean, not let's say, but when it does. Okay. And maybe many, many decades into the future after this collapse. And some of the, you know, these, the institutions break down that finance the upkeep on say some of the property that's owned by the state um, and the various states, for example, specifically, you know, in the capital, um, you know, the monuments, all of the, you know, centers of worship, I guess you could say of, uh, of the country's past, uh, the great accomplishments and victories. You know how in Italy, for example, they'll be, you know, like something like totally egregious. They'll be like putting in a Burger King and they'll be digging out the foundation and then they'll find like, you know, tile flooring from yeah. some amazing palace that was there. You know what I mean? Something like the profane and the sacred kind of like running right into each other. Right. And um, I'll give you an example. This is what I'm thinking. This is another thing that I always come back to. I have a book in front of me that I've I've read. It's uh, Xenophon's uh, Persian Expedition, and Xenophon was a Greek mercenary that fought, um, f I think, for Persia or one of the Persian kings. Because the Greeks, you know, there's this idea because of the movie Three Hundred that there was this awesome dividing line between Greek and Persian, and they don't, you know, the movie obviously doesn't have the time or the context, the time to tell you the context that. The Persians kind of like, you know, or would, would play nice with some of the Greek city states and get them as allies. And those Greek city states hated each other. So they would take sides with the Persians against, you know, their Greek brethren. They didn't see there was a nationalism the way the movie played it. OK, that, that, that really didn't exist quite as much as people wanted it to in the modern era. Uh, but in Xenophon, so he's running, he's going back to Greece with a bunch of his mercenaries and they're kind of going through what is present day Iraq and Syria. And he um, comes across these massive walls, huge walls. He's describing how large they are, the height of them, the width. And he asks the local people, you know, who, who, you know, how long ago was this? Like, who's, who's, whose walls were these? Like, who, who did this belong to the people couldn't even remember, and it was less than 200 years prior that they were part of the Assyrian Empire. And he didn't realize that he was in Nineveh. And for, I believe, I believe biblical. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> the people who have read the Bible, I'm sure that know what, you know, know what the name Nineveh is, like that there's the actual was a city. and It was part of the Assyrian Empire, and that was completely destroyed. I think it was by the Babylonians. Um, but less than 200 years after the complete decimation of this once amazing empire, very bellicose empire, nobody had any idea locally who's, who those ruins used to belong to. And I often wonder, because we have all this technology at our fingertips and like we can look up stuff and we can, you know, we could do a deep historical analysis on so many different things, but do you think there'll ever be a point where somebody's walking past what used to be like, I don't know, the Jefferson Memorial that's like crumbling and like some, <laughs> you know, foreigners, no. like what, what did that know, do? Do they do that in Detroit? Oh, <laughs> great question. <laughs> great question. I don't if know. They I do that in Detroit, then I believe they'll do it everywhere else. Cause Detroit really is the, I feel like everything's going to look a lot, a lot like Detroit for a while. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about it that way, but do you know what I mean? Like, I always wonder how long it takes for people to forget their past or at least now never. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, now Americans have not much of a past. Like we all like to 
pat ourselves on the back. The white ones at least like to pat ourselves on the back and go, yeah, we got a European past, but Europeans look at us like we're bridge trolls. So we really don't, right. you know what I mean? Like we don't have a great connection to them. And how much of our past do we actually really know about too? Like so much of it's been whitewashed. It's all lies to get people to join the fucking military. Like it's all propaganda. So it's like, you've been eating in the way that we've been eating processed food and getting seed oils and getting fucking all gross and unhealthy. It's like the the same thing happens with our information now to the point that we don't even know. I think we have probably, I mean, yeah, we've forgotten a lot already. And then there's more to forget, uh, probably within two generations, I would say, if, if you had to ask me about a number about when do we actually forget America, probably like two generations, probably for people to be like, yeah, they talk about that thing used to be. And now we live in DeSantistan or wherever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love it. Well, the reason why I ask is because like, I came across this the other day. And it's like the origins of Mount Rushmore. You know, this is one of these places that people go to to feel very patriotic about looking oh boy. at these people. Yeah. I know, right? But well, I didn't realize like what the story was behind it. It was mm-hmm. like called the Six Grandfathers and it belongs yes. to like the, the six. Most, well, the most important mountain to the Blackfoot. Yeah, it's the most important mountain. Yeah, and the U.S. government <laughs> actually hired bounty hunters to kill natives that were trying yeah. to stop like – it's fucking wild. And I bet you most people who have gone there have no idea. Oh my God, no, yeah. You know what no. I mean? And you just, I didn't even know about that until now. I no, no, I was disgusted when I read it. Like I'm I'm serious. They they here's the thing. So this is what happened. The US government seized the land from the tribe, the nation, the Lakota nation in 1877, once gold had been discovered. Ah. <laughs> And then yeah, president, they put it in. They put it into all of the. Didn't they know the in a hundred years it wouldn't even be backing the currency anymore? Like, <laughs> That's great. Now, President Grant, glorious comrade, President Grant, who single-handedly won. If you ask people, you know, in the northern states, that he won the war of uh, uh, the, the the war between the states. Uh, he ordered the army not to protect the local tribes. And bounty hunters collected three, about three hundred dollars, up to three hundred dollars per dead Native American. Oh my god! Don't even, don't even get me started on that history, because being being in Florida, that is it's it's all intimately tied into the whole history of Florida. Uh, oh really? All of the wheeling and dealing of the U.S. government the against Seminoles. Americans. Yeah. Oh yeah, sending yeah. The, the trail of tears. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Um, so yeah, it's this is. I don't know. What can you say? I mean, I could go on for hours on this, but yeah, the point being we have forgotten all of this. Although like at the time, at the time that all of this is happening, you have three groups. It's a, I mean, it's a lot like modern day Israel. I mean, if we're being honest, there's the vast majority of Americans, vast majority of Israelis who have little to no opinion on in the case of the native Americans, the, movement of settlers and in the case of the israelis the movement of settlers mm-hmm. and then you have the settlers who are by and large in the cases of both nations social rejects weirdos people who prefer to live on the fringes of society for a reason these are, we have this weird myth about prospectors and settlers that for some reason they're 
brave shining examples of what Americans are. When I mean, in reality, if you read the accounts of these people, they're her- social hermits, rejects. They're, they're, they were cast away from regular society. They have strange proclivities towards living alone or, or, ha- or have very strange family situations because they like to stay outside of the bounds of regular society. And then you have the American government is the third side. And the American government, because that second group of weirdos is our citizens, uh, they promise protection for these very strange people to go out into the wilderness, which is owned by other people and lived in by other people, and protects them as they settle on grounds that nobody like them has ever settled on before. And it's the same thing that happens in Israel, where the government ends up defending and at the same time curtailing the settling rights of the settler class. And then the vast majority of, in that case, Americans, in this case, Israelis, are kind of just like, yeah, that happens. And some of us would like it to stop. And some of us think it's fine. It's this exact same situation, playing out exactly the same way. That's well put. That is, that's, that's very well put. And yeah, most people don't have an opinion. You know, I absolutely agree with you. I don't know. It's, my 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 thing is you know like i'm i'm an amateur historian like uh i i i love to read about it and uh i have i have a, a definite obsession with it and i'm always perplexed by how easily either it's forgotten or how you know indifferent people are one you know like regardless of where you are they're like yeah it's kind of there like i've been to ireland 3 times to visit my family and like you go there the first time and you're like holy shit these are real castles like real castles yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's a tourist attraction. Wow. Anyway, you know what I mean? They're like, we're going to go have like, it's, it's time for tea. Like you, we're going to yeah. drop you off. You have a good time. Take your pictures and uh, we'll pick you up in about yeah. an hour and a half. Okay. And I'm like, right. how could you not care about this? They're like, <laughs> we, we don't care. Like really seriously, enjoy yeah. yourself. You know yeah, what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Now, before we conclude this, I do have something interesting and it is uh, a uh, gastronomic theme if you will uh i don't know if people know about the variety of doritos flavors from japan oh, and there's, wow. there's a reason why i'm going to bring this up so here are the flavors from japan that you can get exclusively in japan so we have wasabi black pepper japanese lemon cheese with avocado winter cheese whatever that might be pizza flavor teriyaki chicken sesame chicken flavor i would have diabetes in a day if i could get that (laughs) that that specific dorito i'd I'd be in trouble um uh sukiyaki mushroom and butter pepper and bacon dry salmon flavored corn soup flavored heart-shaped doritos kelp flavor italian seafood flavor who <laughs> Fresh basil with Italian ham. I didn't know that Italian folk were known for ham. Yeah, I, you're, you're, you need to catch up, my friend. Um, fresh basil. Uh, let's see here. Crab, sesame chicken, flavor tacos, butter flavored, steak flavored, fish roe with mayonnaise flavor. Oh, oh yeah. My God. Oh, yeah. Flavor fondue, fried chicken flavor. Jesus, yes. these people must be stopped. <laughs> Mangita flavor and soy sauce, cheese and almond, salt flavor, that's very exciting. Uh, tuna flavored, wasabi flavored, cocoa curry flavor. You already said wasabi flavored. Is that at the top? 
Okay, then there's 29. Yeah, he started the list. Jesus. Yeah, okay. So we're only up to 29. Uh, cocoa curry, jalapeno pepper flavor with cheese, pepper flavor with salt, so not just pepper. They have a pepper and a salt, and they have a combo. Oh, my God. Camembert cheese flavored, German potato, uh, anchovy and garlic flavored, flavor salad, flavor seven spices, caramel flavored. Ugh. Flavor Christmas tree shape, American freshness flavor. I don't even want to know what. Notice no cool ranch. (laughs) No cool ranch anywhere to be found. Yogurt and mint, and tomato and onion salad. Now here's the reason why this is interesting. There is a particular rumor going around that the the chips in Japan cuz they're they're you know they're a little crazy. We have some people that listen from Japan and we're not talking about them, but whoever's making the Doritos, there's a pair, there's a wild scandal that there's baby fetuses involved with the chip making process oh, and wow. the flavors. What? It's wild. So I don't know if you guys know that, but if you do, that's maybe that's why they have a variety of flavors. They're able to use like i don't know adrenochrome stem cells yeah stem cells yeah and make these delicious dorito flavors anyway i wanted people to know about the variety so when we have a limited amount here i mean i got excited when they did the sweet chili in the purple bag that was exciting um but uh yeah i mean german i won't be i won't be excited until i can get any of those flavors in a doritos locos taco chalupa or a <laughs> cheesy gordita crunch Slam from taco Bell. yeah slabupa and yep <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well i really enjoyed this conversation as always with you uh do you have anything else that you would like to to add before we wrap it up and i'm actually going to head to walmart right after this is over um Vote for Donald Trump, everybody. Let's make a <laughs> fantastic. Um, Angel, do you have anything that you would like to add before we uh depart? Uh, no, I mean, everything's a shit show, just you know, the only way out is through, man. That's it, okay. And what about you, Brian? Uh, no, I got nothing. We're gonna go watch the Bob's Burgers movie, that's gonna be fun, absolutely. That's gonna be a great time. Um, I don't have anything else. Uh, of course, thank you to the patrons uh, for the support. Deeply appreciated. And of course, to all the listeners and our uh, sponsors. So that's Agoras Nexus and uh, Ray Faba, Team Mandalore. Um, and uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, what would I, and I paint Akron, but what would this show be without talking <laughs> about gay soap? Now, we have bird here now birds down in florida now as you understand for folks that live down in florida keeping your ass very clean and using the right soap in the yeah. hot sticky weather is very critical it's extremely so, so critical thank you I'm, I'm so glad to hear that listen don't be a stinky guy folks when you're living in these in these warm climes where you know you have the high humidity it's a high dew point it's only going to get hotter okay it's only going to get hotter Please do yourself a favor and go to AkronApothecary.com and buy some of my friend Todd's very gay soap. It is cold pressed from gay hands, homemade soap with gay hands, these precious gay hands to your precious asshole. It's known to destroy the coronavirus and the monkey pox. If it's in your ass, Todd's gay soap is like weaponized soap. It will get in there. It will target these things and it will destroy it. It will ass fuck it into oblivion 
please trust my friend Todd's Gay Soap because it is medicine for your ass. That's all I have. Bird, we are always very grateful for your time. Thank you for coming on to chat with us. We hope to have you back again. The invitation is always there. Oh, I'll be back when I have my voice back. I'll be back. Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. Thank you very much. I hope everybody has uh, a great rest of your day or evening or morning or whenever you're uh, taking this in. Bird, where can people find all of your stuff? Uh, find, me, find me at Bird Archist at thebag.social. Okay. All right. And the podcast name, of course, is Timeline Earth. Timeline Earth. Excellent. Available on all podcatchers. Outstanding. Thanks, Bird, for coming on. We really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank, Thank you. you. All, right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.